Thank you for listening to the Cultivate Church audio podcast. We hope you are encouraged, inspired, and motivated. Now here's today's message. Hey, we're kicking off a brand new series called Hoarders. Hoarders, Hoarders. Anybody know any Hoarders? You got any Hoarders in your life? Some of y'all looking at your spouse. You did it last week too. That's kind of rude. I wouldn't do that. Um, <laughs> hey, we're, I'm excited because all month long we're going to be kind of talking about the stuff in life that we just keep, that we hoard. Here's what hoarding is. It's, it's, it's known as a hoard. It's called hoarding disorder or compulsive hoarding. It's a behavioral pattern characterized by excessive acquisition of an, uh, of and an inability or unwillingness to discard large quantities of objects that cover the living areas of the home and cause significant distress. So some of y'all think you got a hoarder, but really they just like to keep stuff and it's put it's put in its place and it's organized to an extent. Hoarding is to the is 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 gone a step further. You have so much stuff that it's literally causing distress or impairment in your home. Meaning, like you can't move around. You don't know where things are. You can't get from one point A to point B because there's so much stuff. And this month we're going to be talking about what that looks like for us spiritually. Here's what I know to be true. There are so many people in this world that have hoarded so much in their life that they literally can't think straight. You can't sleep at night. You can't make good, good decisions like one, like one for another because you're so consumed with all of the stuff. Anger and bitterness and depression and anxiety and hurt and all of the stuff that we just carry. The Bible says the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And he does that. He does that by weighing us down to an extent. Jesus said this in Matthew 11. He said, come to me all that are heavy burdened. You've got stuff. You've got things. And many of us have it, and we don't know how to offload it. So we've lived for years in this state. And today's message is anxiety overload. We're going to talk literally a little bit this morning about just specifically anxiety. Anxiety. What does it look like? I think that we are Really, in our culture, in our generation, we're the most anxious generation, I think, of any in, in our history. Uh, more and more people take, uh, per capita in our generation, more antidepressants and anti-anxiety medications than any other generation previous. We are struggling with anxiety. And that's not a I'll prerequisite. It's not a bad thing to need, like God's provided. It's not a bad thing in the right context, in the right situation to need medication, but the reality is there are so many of us that struggle with so much of it because we just won't let it go. So I want to talk to you today. If you got your notes, go ahead and pull those out. John chapter 15 is going to be our, our theme verse. We're going to read this all month long together. Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off. Let's say that, that together. Cuts off. One, two, three. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. What's he saying? He's cleaning out. He's cleaning house. He cuts it if it doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. And I love this. He says, remain in me and I will remain in you. Stay. One translation says to abide. That literally means to, to take up to a residence, to live, to not move, to stay in me, and I will stay 
in you. So what does it look like for us who struggle, so many of us, with compulsive hoarding spiritually, mentally, emotionally? This month we're going to talk about all of that. And today specifically, I want to give us some hoarding habits. We're going to talk about some things that I feel like many of us do. And then I'm going to give you hopefully some practical steps that will help us stop hoarding spiritual things so that we can live the life Jesus said He came to give us. The abundant life. More than enough life. It's more than just eternity that we're looking for. He said, I want you to live in it now. Around here, we call we tell people to discover what it means to live your life on purpose. Live it full of purpose. Get out of the mundane day-to-day, the doldrums, the, the rat race, and start living a life of purpose. So I'm going to pray, and then we'll dive into the notes. And I want to encourage you, take some notes today. You're going to remember 80% of the things you write down. And I, I really want you to remember some things today that I think will be helpful in your faith journey. So let's pray. Father, we love you. Man, we're grateful for your word, that it's alive and breathing and real. Only the word of God, only you, Holy Spirit, can do uh, what we're asking you to do today. Uh, we're not we realize that everyone comes through these doors at all campuses, at every worship experience. Hundreds of people will gather today from every walk of life, all different kinds of circumstances and situations. Some of us, Father, we've been hoarding financial disasters for years and years and years. Some of us, it's emotional. Some of us, we've been hurt. We've been wounded by someone for so long, and we have hoarded up anger and bitterness and resentment and unforgiveness. And some of us, it's just it's straight Like, it's just anxious. There's not even a reason for our anxiousness, but we can't get over the anxiety of life, and it's causing detriment in my family, in my relationship, in my life. And today, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would meet all of us right where we are. God, and you would would do what only you can do. God, that you would perform spiritual surgery on our souls. God, that you would clean out things that don't need to be there. And God, we would walk out of this place today knowing we can live a life on purpose that honors you. You'll get all the credit for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, hoarding habits. Number one, if you're taking notes, we think in circles. People, humanity, we tend to think in circles. Romans talks about it, 8, 5 through 7. It says, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on flesh desires, on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. And I love this. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. The way that we think, our mind is governed by something. Whether it's the Word of God, the things of God, the Spirit of God, the presence of God, or whether it's our own, uh, what Scripture would say is our own flesh desires, our own sinful desires, our own human desires nature, we are governed by one or the other. You can't be governed by both. There's no, there's not a dual diplomacy here. Like you can't be governed by both. You will be governed by one or governed by the other. And the reality is so many of us are governed by our own minds, our own thoughts, our own reality. And we think in circles. Joyce Meyer says this, she says, the mind is a battlefield. It's a battle every day to wake up and choose the right, the, the right thought process. And we've learned this over our own faith journey is you can't have a positive life with a negative mind. It's impossible. You can't do it. You can't have a negative mind all the time and have a positive life. We've got to decide how we're going to think. Am I going to allow my mind to be governed by my flesh or am I going to allow my, line, my mind to be governed by the Spirit? We think 
in circles? What does it look like? When's the last time that you haven't had a thought process that was just in circles? She says this, uh, Joyce Meyer says this, that we are not walking in the Word if our thoughts are opposite of what it says. We're not walking in the Word if we're not thinking in the Word. The Bible says that the Word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. But can I tell you, it can only lead us as far as we're willing to follow. It can only guide you as far as you're willing to allow it to guide you. And we know that we think typically in circles. So we get out of this, we never get out of this mindset. Maybe you've been hurt or wounded. And, and because of that, at some point in your life, that relational issue, that thing that wounded you, you now no longer believe the best in people. It's this thought, well, people are going to let you down. I've been wounded before. I've thought one thing and I've been proven wrong. I'll never do that again. In your mind, you're just thinking in circles. The problem with thinking in circles is what we think eventually becomes what we speak. And we think in circles. Number two, we all speak in circles. We speak in circles because we think in circles. Because our mind, we never allow it to get, out, to get out of the doldrums. We never allow it to get out of the negative. We never allow it to, to, to move past the circumstance, the hurt, the pain, the anxiety of the here and now, the worry of the here and now. We speak in circles. But the problem with that is, Proverbs 18 tells us, is that the tongue has the power of life and death. And those that love it will eat of its fruit. What you say has incredible amounts of power. It's not just a, a physical, it is a spiritual thing. The tongue has the power of life and death. It's what scripture calls the law of sowing and reaping. It's what culture calls karma. Anybody ever heard that? What goes around comes around. It's what culture calls that, but what culture doesn't understand is that's a biblical principle. What you print, what you, what you plant, you will harvest. It's what we speak, we will experience. You say things like, well, it's just who I am, or I'll never get over this. You're digging your own grave. So many of us, we are so good at speaking negative, so good at speaking death. And I'm my, my challenge to us all is let's begin to stop, let's stop that, and let's begin to declare life over ourselves. You know, you make, you make many of us, we make daily declarations one way or the other. All of us do in some, some form or some way. And people go, ah, daily declarations. That's kind of weird. It's kind of crazy. You just speak positive over your life. Well, you're speaking negative over your life. Come on. Every week you go to work and you go, I hate this job. This job stinks. My husband sucks. My wife <laughs> is mean. My family crazy, right? Like we've all, we say that stuff all of the time. We, we make physical, verbal declarations every day of our lives. The problem is they're all speaking death. And what I speak, I will experience. So if you go to work every single day of your life saying this is the worst job ever, it'll never get any better. Guess what it'll never do? It'll never get any better. It'll be the worst job ever. You'll never experience anything positive on it. And you'll never love going to work. If all you ever speak is negative over your spouse, guess what it's going to be? Your marriage is going to stink. It's not going to be good because we're good. The power of life and death is in the tongue. So let's commit to declare life over ourselves, our families, our friends, our marriages. Let's start changing these daily 
declarations. Let's make a commitment to start thinking. Stop thinking in circles. Stop speaking in circles. Start speaking life over circumstances. I'll share with you some of my daily declarations, some of the things I try to commit and, and, and speak over my life every day. Jesus is first in my life. I exist to serve and to glorify Him. Why do I got to say that? Because if I don't commit to that, it won't be true. If I don't say it, I'll, I'll, I'll naturally go into a different direction. I love my wife, and I will lay down my life to serve her. Come on, my children will love God and serve Him with their whole hearts. I will nurture, equip, train, and empower them to do more for the kingdom of God than they ever could have imagined. I love people. This is something we all need to say. And I will believe the best in them today. I'll believe the best about others. I am disciplined. Christ in me is stronger than the wrong desires in me. I am growing closer to Jesus every day. Come on, because of Christ, my family is closer. My body is stronger. My faith is deeper. My leadership is sharper. I am anointed, empowered, equipped, and called to reach people that are far from God. I am creative. I'm not creative all the time, but I'm speaking it, right? I'm, not, like, I'm creative, innovative, driven, focused. I'm blessed beyond measure because of the Holy Spirit that dwells within me. I develop leaders. It's not something I do. It's just who I am. My words, my thoughts, my imaginations are under the power of Christ today. I will take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. I will wake up with purpose and direction and meaning every day of my life. The world will be different today because I follow Jesus. Come on, those are better declarations. Come on, isn't that better? Even if you don't think anything's going to happen, isn't that better than just going, man, this day is going to stink. Another day, should have went back to bed, right? Like, like, like we can't have a positive life with a negative mind. Stop digging your own grave through what you say. Start fighting back. Start fighting back against anxiety. Start fighting back against the negative mindset that consumes your life because of attacks on you emotionally, physically, mentally that were never meant to stay forever. But we're allowing it because, of we, because we speak in circles. And because we speak in circles, we think in circles, that, mean, that means we speak in circles. We also move in circles. Number three, we move in circles what Proverbs tells us, 26.11 says, as a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats his foolishness. It's just reality. We move in circles. We do the same stuff. Our, our thoughts drive our words. Our words drive our actions. Do you know this? I did some research this past week as I was uh, preparing for this message. Did you know that people naturally move in circles? You ever been lost in the woods? Anybody else besides me ever been lost? And then you you, 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 you find yourself two hours into walking, like seeing the same landmark, and you know another two hours goes by, you see it again, you go, hmm, I'm lost. Walking in circles. That is, did you know this? That humanity, human beings, we naturally walk in circles. There's been some studies done, and they say this, that uh, like lost in the desert or thick forest terrain, devoid of landmarks, people tend to naturally walk in circles. Blindfolded people, they did a survey, thousands of people, they blindfolded them in an empty huge space and they allowed them to walk and they all naturally curve around in loops as tight, get this, this is humanity, as tight as consistently 66 foot circles. That's how, that's how pinpointed it is that they walk, that we all walk in circles, 20 meters in diameter. 
all the while believing because they're blindfolded that they're walking a straight line. So only recently they've been able to figure this out, that without external, without external landmarks, reference points, uh, a spray paint on something, like, hey, take a, if, you're, if you're from Alabama, it's two miles on the right, turn left, and then turn left next to the dog tree. It's shaped like a dog, you know, like that kind of stuff. External landmarks that you can begin to find your way. Without proper external landmarks, we all naturally walk in circles. Do you know we do that spiritually too? Without proper external landmarks, without something guiding the way, without proper things to tell us this is the right way, this is the wrong way, you're going we will all naturally walk and make decisions in circles. That's why small groups are important. It's why the Word of God is important. It's why we need landmarks in our lives to help us make right, good decisions. They said this, it, it, the science behind it is something to do with the rotation of the earth and the biological cybergenetics in the brain. That's a lot. That's a big word. I don't even know what that means. Okay. Means I walk in circles. <laughs> like, like there's, there, it's, it's proven that that's just who we are without proper landmarks. And the reality is, spiritually, we need landmarks. Apart from landmarks, apart from the right things pointing us in the right direction, we will always, like a dog returning to its vomit, return to our foolishness. It's why addiction is so hard to recover over, on your own. It's why, it's why people who make bad financial decisions without getting help will always make bad financial decisions. It's why every single month at the end of the month, you go, why is there more month than money? And it's always been that. When you had a $9 an hour job, a $7 an hour job, now you got a $30 an hour job, and there's still more month than money. It's not about how much money you make, is it? It's about you keep walking in circles. Why, why, does, why does every relationship I'm in why are they all crazy? Can I tell you, about number five, it, they're not crazy. <laughs> right? It can't always be them. There are times when I am just walking in circles. I'm making decisions that don't honor God, and I'm walking in circles, returning every time to the place, and we go, why am I here all of the time? How can things begin to change? I want to give you some landmarks today. The rest of our time together, I want to give you some landmarks, some external, I think, reference points that will help us get out of the circle. So if you turn your notes over on the back, getting out of the circle, it's going to be very practical. Number one, it's going to blow your mind. You've never heard it before. Pray. <laughs> Pray. Philippians 4 gives us some great advice. Come on, Paul's sitting under house arrest. Literally, his, the most of his adult Christian life has been like this. It hasn't gone easy. It's been difficult. There's been hard things happen. But in the midst of it, he figured out a way to not walk in circles. In the midst of it, he figured out a way to not stay in the anxiety, the worry of today, the fight of getting out of the circle. He said, don't worry. One translation says, don't be anxious about anything. Come on, I know what you're thinking because I've been there too. Well, that's easier said than Oh, thanks. Don't be anxious. <laughs> thanks for that. Thanks for that advice. But he goes a step further. Instead, instead, pray. Instead, pray. Don't be anxious. Instead, pray about everything. 
Can I tell you, if you're like me, there have been moments in my life when prayer was so far out of the question because all I could focus on was the anxiety of the now, the worry of what's coming next, how we're, how we're going to pay the bills, how's this going to happen, man, what's going what's to happen here, what's going to happen? There were, there were moments, my, my father was uh, addicted heavily to prescription medications when I was young, and there were moments that I would get off of a school bus as a 12-year-old and literally wonder if my house was going to be on fire when I walked in or not. Is, did, he, did he start something on the stove and forget about it? Did he light a cigarette and, and lay it on the couch and it, and it was on fire again? That happened often. I saw that stuff often. So I was consumed as a child with anxiety of what could be. I know what it's like to be consumed with anxiety. Here's the reality of what I also know. Those moments when I was consumed with anxiety, I couldn't be consumed with prayer. It was one or the other. It was never both and. Because, every, because as I grew in my faith and I, and I began to learn to replace it with prayer, all of the sudden, prayer and anxiety couldn't exist. Light and darkness can't exist in the same location. So I began to grow in my prayer. Even when I didn't know how to pray or what to pray, I would just begin to pray and talk and speak to God. And little bit by little bit, exactly what He promises in this Scripture began to happen. Tell God what you need. Thank Him for what He's done. Then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your heart and your mind as you live in Christ Jesus. That's what I've learned. Prayer should be the compass we use to navigate everyday life. It should be our compass. Unfortunately for so many of us, it's like we live in the culture that I grew up in as well. Well, we've done all we can do. All that's left to do now is pray. Anybody ever heard that? We've tried everything we know to do. We've tried doctors. We've tried people. We've tried counseling. All we can do now is pray. What's that mean? It's our last resort. It should be the compass that we have. Literally, what we're saying is, I have walked in circles for 30 years. I think I'll pull out the compass now. Like, have you ever thought, like, you've been walking in circles with someone, and like, we're lost. Man, we're lost. I wish I, wish, I wish I knew where North was. We're lost. And then somebody who now you will kill finally pulls out a compass. We've been walking for three days. You got a compass in your pocket, right? Like, prayer should be our first resort, not our last response. It should be the compass that we use. How do I pray? Here's, it's easy. It gives us a good, uh, a good guideline here in Philippians 4. You write these down. Number one... You need to magnify God, not your problems. I, you have to learn to begin to magnify God, not your problems. You need to start telling your problems how big your God is instead of allowing the enemy to tell you how big your problems are. You need to worship Jesus, not the issues. You worship whatever gets the most attention. Do you know that? Whatever's got the most attention in your life, that's what you're worshiping. Start worshiping Jesus. Stop worshiping the issues. Hey, how about this? Tell him what you need. Tell him what you need. And this one's huge. Thank him for what he's done. Thank him for what he's done. And then the last one is going to lead to our next point. This one's huge. This is what we most fail at the most in prayer. Listen. Come on, we're good at telling people what we want. We're good at that. We're bad at listening. You ever get in arguments with people and they go, you're just not listening. You're just talking. But you, and you're responding really good, but you're not even listening. We need to listen. I call it tuning your ear to heaven. What does that look like? Number two, if you're taking notes, you need to fix your thoughts. You need to fix your thoughts. Another word for that is meditate. 
meditate. Listen, meditate on the word. He goes on to talk about when he said pray, and then the peace of God will follow you, will be there. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about the things that are excellent and worthy of praise. I'm going to listen. I'm going to focus. I'm going to intentionally focus my mind on God things. Listen, we're too focused on life, uh, in life, about anything but God. You can't control what pops into your head. Did you know that? You can't control it when somebody says something that offends you. When somebody does something that offends you, you can't control. You didn't do anything. You can't control that. But you can absolutely control what you fix your thought on, what you allow to stay. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians, we will take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Stop dwelling on the negative. Stop dwelling in circles. Start fixing your thoughts. I'm going to pray. I'm going to meditate. Listen, remember, you can't have a positive life with a negative thought process, with a negative mind. What does that mean? It means that I'm probably going to have to change some of my routines. It means the music I listen to, the things that I watch on television, the books that I read, the articles that I read, the people that I hang around, probably needs to change. If I can't get out of, an, uh, of the circles that I'm in, and my marriage is struggling, and all the advice I get is negative advice. My marriage is struggling, and every woman I'm hanging around, they're just telling me that, that, I, that I deserve better, and I need to leave, and I need to get out, and I, I, I'm blah, 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 right? Every, every man I'm around, they're just telling me how much of a nag my wife is, and how, how, how mean she is, and how, how disrespectful she is, and you deserve better, and that's my circle. That's what I'm surrounded with. I'll never get out. You can't have a positive life with a negative mind. you got to make some changes. You need to fix your thoughts. Believe. Come on, everybody. Let's say this. Say, believe the best. Come on, let's say it again. Believe the best. Come on, you need to say it till you believe it. I believe the best in somebody today. I'm not going to get instantly offended as if they're malicious. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to show them some grace. I'm going to believe the best. Aren't you glad God sees the best in you? Aren't you glad that no matter how many times I fail, no matter how many times I mess up, God sees me by my potential. He doesn't call me by my name. He doesn't call me by my decisions. He calls me by what he sees in me. And come on, you can do the same and everyone else around you. Fix your thoughts. Number three, abide. Abide. What does that mean? Our, our, our theme verse in John says, remain in me and I will remain in you. That literally, it means to abide. He, here's how Paul says that. Keep putting into practice all you've learned and received from me. Everything you've heard from me and saw me doing, I love this, then the God of peace will be with you. Come on, he just told us a while ago, he said, pray, don't be anxious, instead pray, then the peace of God will be with you. That's huge, that's awesome. All of a sudden, when I start putting things into action and I begin to abide, when I begin to stay, all of a sudden, the God of that peace finds himself in our midst. Teaching my son, I've been teaching my son to catch. He's three. I tell you, it's hard teaching a three-year-old how to catch a ball, especially when you don't really know the process of how to do it, because I just started out just throwing. And, you know, like, he'll learn, he'll figure it out. Except he's three, and, you know, he, it was a boxing match to him. You know, he was like, he punched the ball every time trying to grab it. 
And I thought, okay, I got to change. I got to change some things up. So I started. I, I backed up. I started over, and I started just placing the ball in his hands. It was literally like this. Here's the ball. Literally, that's what it was like. And at first, when I would place it in his hand, he would be like, <laughs> you know. And then little bit by little bit, he started just receiving the ball. I'm placing it back and forth. And then we would back up a little bit, and I would toss it. And he would still punch it, right? But we would practice. Come on, it's hard to, it's hard to play catch if somebody can't catch. That gets old quick. <laughs> so he would just punch it, and that would last like three or four minutes, and I'd be giving up, you know. Son, we can't play. This ain't going to work. <laughs> and then eventually, little bit by little bit, he would still punch it, but every now and then, he would get lucky. And as he was punching at the ball, it would lodge in his hands. And we would celebrate, man. We'd go, whoa, you caught the ball. And, and then, like, little bit by we would practice. And I would teach him to receive. Listen, if, you're not, if you've never caught a ball before in your life, ever, and you're three, a projectile flying at your head, it's not easy to trust that I can just receive it. You know what I'm saying? Like, you want to knock that thing out of the way, just naturally. But somehow, practicing, he began to trust and see Dad putting into practice. Oh, he's not stabbing it. He's just catching it. He's not knocking it down. He's just catching it. One day, he just woke up and said, hey, Dad, let's play catch. He's three. Son, he threw that ball, and he just, all of a sudden, I, I was expecting, all of a sudden, he went, and I was like, That's a mistake. He threw it back. I, I tossed it again. He went, I think he's got it. <laughs> 30 minutes go by. Man, we're playing catch. I'm not instructing. He's not fighting. We're doing it together. We're out of the circle now. We're just playing catch. Why? Because he put into practice. Can I tell you? Putting into practice doesn't mean you're always going to get it right. It says that one day you're going to get it right. I'll put into practice. Abide in me. I'll abide in you. That term abide literally means to make your dwelling. To put all of your weight into something. I tell you, for a three-year-old to put all of his trust into receiving that ball, it's a big deal. Can I tell you, for a 35-year-old to put all my trust into receiving some of the things that, that Jesus brings my way, that life brings my way. Listen, it takes, it requires me to put all of my weight into Jesus. Some of you, you're struggling with so much anxiety and you have no faith. You have no faith that that relationship's going to work out because you've been broken too many times. That this situation, this circumstance is going to find a better way because you've been broken too many times. And Jesus is saying, keep putting into practice just try again. Just give it one more shot. Eventually, you're going to stop stabbing at it and you're going to start receiving it. And you're going to notice a difference. You're going to notice that you're no longer walking in circles, but you're walking in purpose because you've seen the landmarks. Man, you're in a small group and you're trusting in community. You've opened God's word and you're following it step by step because it's a lamp to my feet and a guide to my path, but it's only as good of a guide as I'm willing to follow. And step by step, I've started following him and, and praying and living a life that honors him. Man, I'm serving. I'm, I'm going to roots. I'm getting plugged into a local church and I'm no longer walking in circles, but I'm seeing purpose in my life. Can I tell you, it's possible. It's possible to get out of the doldrums. It's possible to defeat anxiety. But you can't do it. You can't do it saying in the same circle. You got to change some things. 
I want to pray with you. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes? Our band's going to come. Let me tell you something. So many of us have hoarded anxiety for so long. It's a daunting task to think we could ever clean it out. We have magnified our issue. We've asked why, 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 why? Can I tell you, hey, questions are good, but they're not God, are they? Why, 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 why? Why me? Why now? Why this? Why them? Anxiety, anxiety. Finances. How, 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 how? If I just make this decision or that decision, how? How do I do this? How do I get out? Circles. Walking in circles. Never getting out. Always returning to the same thing. Like a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool returns to its foolishness. How do I change? Today, maybe for the first time in your life, you're going to pray and you're actually going to hear. Maybe for the first time in your life, you're going to begin to abide. You're going to put your weight in Jesus. You go, man, I'm, 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 I don't know. I'm on the fence. I don't know. Let me ask you a question. Where has doing it your way gotten you? Be honest with yourself. How has doing it your way gotten you? It's just a circle. It's never ending. There's no purpose because we're lost. What if I could tell you, you there are guides that can get you out? His name is Jesus. It's called community. It's called the power of the Holy Spirit. It's called forgiveness. It's called grace. You don't have to stay in the doldrums of life. I'm going to lead you in a prayer right where you are. I'm going to invite you to pull your Connect card out on it. It says, I'm committing my life to Christ. There's a spot that says, I'm recommitting. I'm making a fresh commitment to Jesus today. Father, we love you. Man, we're grateful for your grace, your goodness, your mercy. So many of us have hoarded. We're overloaded with anxiety. Father, your word says, if we pray, the peace of God would guard our minds and our hearts. Right now, we're praying. I pray that we begin to experience the peace of God. Let it pass all understanding. Let it guard our hearts and our minds right now. Father, we accept you as our Savior through Jesus. Jesus, thank you for dying on a cross, for coming back to life three days later. I accept you as my Savior. Thank you for forgiving my sins. And today, I follow you as my Lord. I am no longer walking in circles. God, I pray that you surround me with people, with community with purpose so that I can live a life that honors you. You'll get all the honor, all the glory. Thank you for shifting and changing my eternity. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, church. Can you celebrate that today? Come on, people saying yes to Jesus.